again, Utah skiers and riders. Welcome back to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast presented by High West Distillery. Thanks to our musical guest, Utah's own Pixie and the Partygrass Boys. Ski Utah's Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West's passion is crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey all in the context of our home right here in the American West. When you visit Utah this winter, join me at one of High West's three must-visit locations in Park City and Wanship, just a short distance out of town. A big welcome to new episode sponsor, the St. Regis Deer Valley, one of my regular stops on the mountain. Try the hot chocolate by the outside fire. It's a real favorite of mine. I hope you're enjoying Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. This week, we have an important episode for you that explores a topic that should be of importance to all of us as skiers and snowboarders. This week, we paid recognition to Martin Luther King Day. For many, it's an opportunity for a long weekend ski trip to Utah. But for all of us, it should be a time to reflect, especially in light of the national discussion we're having on racism. As skiers, we know our sport lacks diversity. But how often do we think about it? What is our own role? And what does our sport look like through the eyes of black participants? Lamont Joseph White grew up in New York City, where he became fascinated with skiing. But as a young black boy in Queens, there was no viable pathway for him into the sport. As an adult, he did find his way into skiing and snowboarding. Years later, he calls Utah his home, and he just loves dipping his snowboard into a powder-filled Utah mountain glade. Today, he conveys his viewpoint through art. His skiing and color collection provides a vivid portrayal of our sport as seen through different glasses. His insights tell a story of what our sport looks like through his own eyes. Most of all, Color of Skiing explores elements of black culture and how they add to the diverse lifestyle of ski and snowboard that all of us enjoy. As a skier myself, this was an emotional interview. I know you'll enjoy it, but most of all, I hope you think about his words and the role that we all play as skiers and snowboarders in welcoming everyone to our sport. Let's meet Lamont Joseph White. Lamont, welcome to Last Chair. Happy to have you join us. Thanks, Tom. It's uh, great to be with you. Yeah, you've. I know you're splitting your time between Park City and uh, your artist community down in Mexico, but how has the skiing been so far this year? I know you got out and made a few turns early season. I did. Oh my gosh, I loved it. Um, got a chance to go to Snowbird in Brighton and uh, didn't want to leave. Didn't want to leave, but uh, you know, that's the way it is sometimes. Well, I, I know it's, it's still going to be here waiting for you. Don't worry about that. Tell us a little bit about the artist community that you're in down in Mexico. You know, actually, the artist community here was started by an American um, vet, actually. And this guy named Sterling Dickinson came to this town I'm in called uh, uh, San Miguel de Allende many years ago, I believe back in the 40s. He started the San Miguel um, Art Institute, 
there are other art institutes here and just a ton of galleries and uh, interior design, incredible hotels and restaurants. So it's a town of about um, somewhere between probably 135, 145,000 people. So it's a small city, uh, a lot of Americans here. And we've really been spending a lot of time down here for uh, creative reasons um, as a painter. And my wife is a, is a designer, a surface designer. Um, and we just spent a lot of time down here creating. And um, it's been nice. Miss Utah, but it's been great. Yeah, it's it sounds like it really is a great spot. We're going to talk about your childhood and growing up in New York City in, in just a little bit. But I'm just curious, what was it that mm-hmm. ultimately got you to Utah some years ago? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I met my wife in New York City, and she had just come from the University of Utah. I actually, we ended up, you know, fall in love, getting married, but I never had any plans to come to Utah. Um, I think from someone who has not been to Utah or even been out west um, to the mountains, we sort of look at Utah as very different from the New York metropolitan area, you know, a bit monolithic. And we're so used to, you know, New York City and, um, you know, it's got the the best of everything. It's got a great variety of everything. It's, it's got the worst of a lot of things as well, but it's New York. So you just take it all, right? Um, so it wasn't until we had been married about 10 years that we decided, hey, let's let's go to Utah. We, she has some family in Utah. And so we'll, we'll stay with family um, and we'll visit Southern Utah. So we went out for, I think it was a week, 10 days. And in the latter part of our trip, we went up to Park City. And at the time, it was sort of fresh in my mind where a coworker of mine was taking some buddies of his out to, I believe it's Mount Brighton in Michigan. And he was taking them out there for little ski weekends uh, during the wintertime. So once I had gotten, I was on the base of Canyons that year. This is the year 2000. And it was in, it was actually in June. And I said to myself, I'm coming back here next year uh, with friends. Cause you know, out East, I hadn't seen, I'd been to Vermont. I'd been to upstate New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but I hadn't been to the ski resorts out West yet. So I just decided from that point, I'm going to start coming out to Utah. And I started in 2001 and continued on through 2012, bringing other friends and other families. Uh, there were guys trips, there were family trips, there was all kinds of trips that, that lasted for 12 years until we decided to, to move to Utah in 2012. Yeah, it's like a magnet, isn't it? For me, it really was, you know. Um, for me, it really was. And, uh, I, you know, I've never looked back. It's, it's just been wonderful. Um, the people have been wonderful. Um, and, of course, you get some of the best skiing and snowboarding along the way. And then the summers are great as well, right? I mean, it's just fantastic um, outdoor activities all year round. Well, I want to touch on your art, and we're going to talk about it in some detail as we get further through our conversation here. But just to Mm -hmm. touch on the show that you held in December, you know, it's Mm -hmm. tough this time with COVID to do a show, yet you did a two-week show 
yeah. with your work skiing in color at Christian Center Park City. How did that show go and how was your work received? To me, it went, um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. And like you said, with, with COVID, there was some hesitancy. There was a point where I was going to actually pull back and not do the show um, because it took a lot of effort of, of sending the pieces from Mexico up, uh, up, up to Utah. Um, and uh, some of it I carried by hand, but some of it I had to ship. And then with COVID going on and knowing whether we'd even have much of a turnout. Um, and then, of course, the dangers or are, are cautions you'd have to take uh, because of COVID, we were very hesitant and that fluctuated. And it wasn't until I realized I had a, a couple of interviews to do with uh, Park Record and Park City TV that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Um, it seems like the, the ball's rolling at this point. So um, it was received, I have to say, I didn't know what to expect, like I said, but it was received better than I could have expected from, from all walks of life. I was really uh, honored to get the reaction that I did um, from all types of people, because obviously my work has a, a, a focus on, um, uh, and I know we'll get into this a bit more later, but a focus on black skiers and black people in the outdoors. Um, but um, it, it lot, got a lot of great attention from you know, new friends that I've made and, and from um, some media, uh, like I mentioned before, in Salt Lake and in, and in Park City as well. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled by it, actually. Well, I know the community was, was really pleased to see it. You had great coverage in the local media on it. One of the things with an artist, of course, is that an artist tells stories. And in this case, you're telling a lot of your story growing up uh, as a young boy in New York City who saw skiing. We've had a, some great conversations on that. But go back in time to your childhood in New York City. How did you find skiing and what was your introduction to the sport like? Well, you know, uh, I was born in New York City and my parents came from, um, you know, sort of, um, they grew up post-depression kids and, um, you know, they're, you know, hardworking. They ended up accomplishing the first uh, sibling to go to college and, um, but they grew up not with the sense of that they'd ever get to a mountain and put something on their feet and slide down snow. Right. It just wasn't ever anything that crossed their minds. having grown up in Baltimore and Brooklyn respectively and just sort of having the culture and the environment that it just never crossed their path. So they ended up, you know, um, we lived in, in, Born in Manhattan, I was raised in Queens, so I was about five, and then we moved to central New Jersey. So we moved to a real suburban area there, great community. And as I grew up, I started seeing some people in my high school who were going skiing on the weekend. And I just loved athletics, I loved sports. But that wasn't something that was ever discussed. Skiing in my household, it was just like going to Saturn. Um, and people would come back and I'd see the little lift tickets stuck to their jackets, you know, and I thought like, what is that? You know, it's, it's like, I, I, I want to check that out. And at one point when we were camping in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, 
one night we stopped by where there's some night skiing going on at a mountain called Shawnee in the Poconos. And I remember there was, I think there was a brief discussion as to whether or not we would try skiing. I think I was 13 at the time. And long story short, I mean, we even saw a family from our neighborhood there. It's about an hour and a half from us. And long story short, we did not go skiing. I remember just feeling disappointed, like, oh, man, I thought I was going to get on skis and just to see what it was like. And so that was the closest I ever got to getting on the mountain until, you know, years later. It was after college. I was in my 20s. And some friends of mine who actually lived there in central Jersey had started to ski. They started skiing in Pennsylvania, upstate New York, and uh, northern New Jersey. And one night... They said, hey, you, you want to go out one night? And I said, sure, I want to check it out. So I went and um, rented some skis at Mountain Creek in northern New Jersey. It's, it's our largest um, ski mountain in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, put some skis on. And my friend just told me, just, you know, we mentioned the pizza french fries thing, but he's like, whatever you do, just commit, you know? <laughs> and that's something I never forgot. And I, it was ice, you know, it was northern New Jersey in, in January. And I got through it and bounced around a little bit and just thought, man, this is, I love it. Let's keep doing it. So that started me going and, and, it, and that lasted probably about seven, eight years before I went to Utah. When, when you were a young boy and you had that almost introduction to the sport, how old were you then? Uh I'd say it was about 13. So it was almost another 10 years then before you got back, got into the sport for the first time. Correct. Correct. So you've started skiing in New Jersey. And by the way, Mountain Creek is a great place to ski or ride, but it was a big difference when you came out to the mountains. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big, big difference in many ways, you know, oh gosh, and how many ways just the the snow itself, the terrain, just the whole atmosphere. You know, when you get out to these resorts and uh, that are so full of experienced skiers and it's, it's just such a full ski and uh, outdoor environment in places like uh, Park City, Utah and other resorts in Utah, uh, it's a really a whole different uh, experience. And so I, I, it hooked me. It hooked me um, all the way. I just fell in love with the whole atmosphere, the whole environment, the people, the mountains and everything just became super exciting for me. And, um, you know, it's I, so like I told you, I made it a point to just keep coming back every year and bringing more and more people. We'd get up to four or five families coming out at some points. And then they got hooked as well. And to this day, they still come out. You know, um, and they'll still either, either stay with us or they'll stay at a local hotel, but they still come out to this day. Well, it's the beauty of skiing is it truly is a lifetime mm -hmm. sport, isn't it? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk, like I said, a little bit more about my work, but I think in using the subject of, of skiing, uh, I'm, I'm not just doing it, uh, for the sake of uh, here's a skier, but also I'm trying to express, you know, some of the joys you experience um, and the moods and the, the, 
the, the, the solitude, but also the exhilaration. And when I say solitude, I mean sort of the solace and the peace that you have on the mountain, as well as the exhilaration and all these different things you go through. And you just take a deep breath and you're looking out at the vistas on top of the mountain. These types of things, I feel, um, really lend to them becoming a lifetime sport and something that you do want to share uh, with other people and bring them out to the mountain with you and share with people who haven't given it a shot yet as well. You know, those of us who have been in the sport for some years, we know that skiing is not a very diverse sport. For you growing up as a, a young black boy in New York City and eventually finding your way once you were in your 20s into the sport, was that any kind of an obstacle for you either overtly or maybe not so overtly? Definitely not overtly in my experience. Um, I think, again, living in the New York metropolitan area, uh, we're quite accustomed to diversity by and large. And, um, you know, biases happen everywhere. But I think uh, as you navigate um, life in the New York metropolitan areas, it's particularly for someone like myself who has a, you know, really diverse group of friends and family, it's not something that I don't remember even really thinking about um, in, until later on, you know, that there wasn't a, a great bit of diversity. So that, that began to be something that I pondered more and more as time got, got, went on in my experience. And what were some of you, as you pondered that, what were some of your takeaways? Are there thoughts that, uh, that you had that you could help to perhaps be an ambassador for this sport that you'd grown to love? You know, it, it, this, these types of thoughts just sort of coming along for me, I guess, and in, in, in living in Utah and living in the mountain environment and living in these wonderful places that I found lack diversity more than, you know, they, they lack diversity that I was accustomed to, which is normal. And, and I get that. But what comes along with that are sort of these moments of implicit bias and moments where you feel like um, people are wondering why you're there. Um, like, what's your story? They're a little bit like I'm sort of like a mysterious guy sometimes when I show up. And for me, None of these things quite dawn on me until I see it reflected back to me. And just having the awareness of, you know, being a person of color and, and, and being a black person, that I know it's a common experience for us to have those moments, which is why feeling included becomes um, important for us, which is why feeling that that our presence is normalized uh, becomes important for us and that we're represented. So I know that. And a lot of times it's not spoken because we just want to go ski in this instance. We just want to go ski or we just want to go to that restaurant or we just want to be in that board meeting, you know, be for, for, for the joy of skiing, you know, or because we've earned that place, wherever that place might be, or we have the right to that place. And so we just, um, I know that it's something uh, that we just, it's commonplace for us to, uh, you know, look for the, you know, 
understanding that it's okay that that we're, that we're there once we realize like hmm i don't think they really expected me to show up you know but it becomes something we don't bring up all the time it's not something we want to harp on all the time because it gets exhausting you know so for me this particular co- collection uh skiing and color it it i had been always painting and drawing um black subjects you know for for a long time you know going back to college and, and high school um but when i had had some opportunities to um do illustrations of skiers you know thinking as a because i come out of a commercial design experience in my career uh i had not thought about really putting black people in ski gear to bring it to a souvenir shop or to or, or to make a poster and uh, I never thought about bringing it to those places that they would buy it because I know that it's not something they feel is the norm or it's not something they feel might sell and I put all those things to the side because I thought it was important if I'm going to help normalize it or if I'm going to express a normalization of black people on the mountain I'm going to have to paint black people on the mountain so that's that's what I did and they are exclusively black when I go into the galleries in various ski towns it's not something I see represented and when I go to the resorts um and the hotels in these towns it's not something i see represented but we do spend dollars at these resorts we there we are out there um i've heard it said that black people don't ski and i look in my garage and i see skis and snowboards in there and it's i realize that the numbers aren't very great i believe they could be greater but even if they aren't great we want to feel that you you you're okay with us being there and that we're not looked at as as a unicorn arrival on the slopes well the collection that you have created is remarkable it's remarkable not just for it being black people on skis but just for the emotion that you represent in your characters. I want to learn more about color of skiing, how it originated, what your inspiration was, but we're going to take a short break. We're with Lamont Joseph White talking about his exhibit color in skiing, and we'll be right back to last chair. I was skiing Deer Valley this morning when a storm came in and we decided to ski on the lower mountains to stay out of the clouds. It was the perfect day to take a break on the outdoor terrace at the St. Regis. The St. Regis Deer Valley is one of the most luxurious mountain resorts in the world. What I've always enjoyed about the St. Regis is its blend of luxury with casual comfort, a perfect spot for skiers. The Ramide Spa offers you a tranquil and relaxing experience to soothe your muscles after a big day on the slopes, revitalizing your body and your spirit. The outdoor waterfall, the indoor river, and the two-tiered slopeside pool are all St. Regis favorites. The St. Regis offers four award-winning restaurants, including three 
with heated outdoor dining. Rhyme has become a real favorite of mine as the St. Regis's signature restaurant. This year, check out the new Yurt Village at St. Regis, offering you private dining with family and friends in a yurt overlooking the Wasatch Range. At each of the St. Regis restaurants, Chef Matthew Harris creates a sustainable farm-to-table experience. Select a nice wine from the 10,000-bottle St. Regis Wine Vault. St. Regis has long been known for its nightly champagne sabering. Now it's offering Bloody Mary Clinics, where you can learn the secret behind its famous 7452 Bloody Mary. Make a reservation today for your upcoming visit to Deer Valley or just stop by the Slopeside Terrace for a drink or a hot chocolate on your next visit. The St. Regis Deer Valley, make it a point to visit. Now let's head back to our interview with Lamont Joseph White to learn more about his Color of Skiing collection. And we're back now with Lamont Joseph White. And Lamont, thanks again for joining us today. It is an amazing exhibit. And I know this is an audio podcast, so you'll have to use your imagination if you're a listener. But you can also go to skiutah.com, and we will have these posted in the blog article with the podcast. What was your inspiration to do skiing in color? There was a certain point uh, really about a year ago, January of last year, where because, um, you know, I have been uh, painting and drawing black subjects throughout my life, um, I decided to, um, because of my own experience being a, you know, a black snowboarder who, who, who lives and owns a home in Park City and happens to be an artist, um, I am reflecting a lot of who I am and in, in, in my experiences in the work, you know, the joy of skiing, but also the determination of um, representation as a minority in places that uh, we aren't necessarily expected or seen very often, and the dynamics that come along with those things. So, you know, I just went full stop into, um, I remember mentioning to my wife about a year ago, I just want to paint black skiers because um, it hits close to home. And, you know, quite frankly, um, it was a real raw thought uh, that came out of my own um, experiences and environments. But I realized that there was a lot more to learn from speaking to, to other black skiers and snowboarders who have been on the mountain for years, who or at a much greater level than skiing and snowboarding that, than, than I am. And to hear what their stories are, being on race teams or just being avid skiers and snowboarders or backcountry um, skiers and snowboarders, to hear the experiences um, and environments that they've been in, that's really been informing my work you know, as I move forward, forward with, the, with the series. So... Um, that's where really where I'm right now as the series is continuing to develop. Was there anyone that you showed this concept to early on that looked at it and really gave you that motivation to continue? Someone who really understood what you were doing with this show? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, 
I had just been pretty much keeping it to myself um, for the first few months uh, because, you know, I did realize that, uh, you know, I, I was determined to do things the way I wanted to do them. I wanted a very everyday, normal representation of, you know, of everyday people, uh, black people uh, in, in skiing and snowboarding environments. And by the time I thought, well, hey, let me see if I can present this um, in my hometown of Park City, because I've done a lot of the development to this point uh, here in my studio in Mexico, uh, I actually reached out to, to Rob Harder at the Christian Center, and he immediately said, this is a great idea. Um, and uh, if you know Rob at all, he's a great guy, and he's very involved in, in equality and equity and just you know bringing everybody along, and he's just a super guy. And uh, at one point, I had heard Rob discuss uh, during a panel discussion he was on with the mayor um, and some other people in the community. When he was asked, um, this was after the George Floyd um, uh, murder and the protests were happening. I mean, I was peeking in on some conversations happening in Park City for my studio here. And Rob was asked, you know, Rob, what do you want to do? What do you think you can do to help? And Rob just said, listen. And at that point, because obviously we're, our minds were so focused in on all types of um, stuff going on in our country, right? With the protests and I won't go through to through. I won't go through all of it, but you know what all of it, all of it was. But Rob sat back and said, "You know, I just want to listen." So that told me that here's an ally who's open to learning, who's not going to take any of these preconceived thoughts that he may or may not have. But if he sees people who feel like, okay, now they haven't, they look, they feel like they have an open door now to get uh, people's attention to say that they are hurting for some reason, you know, because in this case, because of the color of their skin during their lifetime, he wants to listen. He cares enough to listen, um, not just to lean back on, hey, we're all equal or, you know, civil rights era's over with or whatever it is, but to say, hey, wait a second, these people are still feeling some pains in their lives and they have some stories to tell. So I would say Rob is probably, um, you know, other than some other friends who I had been uh, discussing the collection with along the way, Rob really opened the door to furthering the discussion or really opened up the discussion in Utah and by way of Utah in the States for me. And um, so I'm really still in the, the early stages of this. This is really only about six or seven weeks old at this point. And uh, yeah, but but uh, it's 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 been wonderful, and uh, I've, I've been thrilled. The the collection is amazing, and Lamana, I'd like you to walk through 
a few of the pieces and I'll, I'll let you pick which ones you want to start with. And again, for listeners, I know you can't physically see it here, but you can go to skiutah.com and, and take a closer look. So Lamont, walk us through a few of the pieces and tell us the, the inspiration that you had behind each. Sure. I think uh, perhaps um, a couple of the ones that you might have uh, as you list this podcast you know, one is a little girl with these Afro puffs in her hair called color coordinated. And I do use some of the title of the pieces as references to, to race and, and color and, uh, those dynamics, you know, that, you know, that we deal with in our society. Um, I don't believe in, uh, people being colorblind or not being color not seeing color because, you know, I grew up in a way where I had so much color and variety in my life that um, I always saw it all. And for me, it was, if it was different for me, I embraced it and wanted to know more, um, more about it. Um, and that's an experience, I think, or a state of mind that I find can be lacking in certain certain environments. So uh, color coordinated is just a little girl with a simple joy and excitement of, 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 of being, being in a place where she's about to hit the mountain. She's about to go skiing, possibly for the first time. And she's just super giddy about it. So it's a real sort of innocence and happy place that she's in. This is my favorite. You just started with the one that really caught my eye a few months back. and. It is just the joy on her face. And you think of every little kid that's had that opportunity to slide on snow. It's just embodied in her smile and in her eyes. It just really captures that joy. No, oh, thanks so much. And, and, and uh, I mean, that's, that's what I was going for. And before I even painted the piece, I was like, I need a little girl just thrilled to ski <laughs> You know, I, I just really need that because part of the vision is that, you know, we get some younger people of color on the mountain that we that they know that they're welcome and that they know that they're seen and represented. Well, this is a really good one. So I'll let you continue the tour. Sure. Um, I think Pledge, uh, Pledge is another one uh, coming from the perspective of being a, a black American, this guy in pledge with the American flag, um, he superimposed over an American flag in the background. Uh, just being, you know, a proud American, uh, knowing America is continually evolving and, and making corrections and figuring stuff out. Um, I come from a black American experience. And so, uh, it's, it's a bit of a statement to who I am as an artist and the experiences that I've had come from that perspective. Uh, and, but also the perspective of, um, I want to be at least a small part of moving the needle forward to, um, you know, that we're endowed by our creator and, you know, have, uh, you know, have equal rights and so forth. So, um, I, I just, through my work, I'm hoping to be a small part of that, that commentary. Um, 
Let's see. Other than that, um, I'm not sure if you have a picture of squat up and we may take the girl from color coordinated and flash forward um, 20 years. And here she is maybe with her friend walking along the mountain. There's, you know, there is certainly a determination in some of the pieces. This would be one of them, you know, sort of like I'm here. I belong here. I want to be here. Um, and, and I think that gets reflected in the pieces. It is part of the experience where, um, you know, one of the things I say and, and the, my recent piece is actually called show up, um, to be represented, you've got to show up. Right. And when you do show up, what is that experience life? What, what is that experience like? And, uh, um, I think there is a determination that comes along with that. Um, because um, it, it, it may be uh, built into our experience that, hey, there's not many of us here and it kind of feels good to see another black person here. It's not constantly on our mind. I mean, we don't go to a ski resort looking for black people. You know what I mean? We go to ski. But if we do see, one, see another black person, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's good to know. Okay, good to know. It just because of the experiences in our lives, those are the types of things, not the only thing, but those are the types of things that give us a little bit of comfort, um, of belonging, of inclusion, of representation, to know that we see ourselves in those places. Just like if we see ourselves um, represented in society, in positions of influence, um, uh, or, or in careers or in uh, uh, places of esteem. Uh, it's important that we as people, or even more so kids, see those people so they can aspire. Squad to me was another fascinating one. And Lamont, I liked your your thought that maybe that's going to be that little girl in 15 or 20 years. But you have two beautiful young women they are both black, but they both look quite different with their hairdo and with their outfits. One has skis and one has a snowboard and they are determined. They are going out to have a good time and they're going up on that mountain. And it's that, that look of determination that they're going up to tackle some new goals up on the mountain. But I, I loved that one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think, there are some aspirational um, parallels to skiing, right? And being on the mountain. Um, and this is another thing that I love about it. Um, there's sort of like some philosophies. Like I, even when I'm on the mountain and I'm approaching technique and things like that, there's some life philosophies that actually go through my mind. Um, and of course the terrain you're on and being in the mountains, you know, is aspirational, um, you know, and, and do you do see that in the determination of where they are, but I kind of feel like there's that illustration of the mountaintop, you know, Martin Luther King spoke about the mountaintop in his last speech, uh, which didn't dawn on me till, oh my gosh, I was so far along in this collection, but I was, I thought, wow, that's really a nice um, sort of partnership with my series to know that he said that, that he used the mountaintop to speak about a destination 
in his mind for freedom, for equality, for belonging, you know. And, and once you get there, you have arrived. And I didn't realize that other than in my own personal experience of hitting the mountain and feeling great and enjoying it and wanting to share it. But he used the mountaintop as an illustration in his last speech, literally the day before he was shot. And he said, I've been to the mountaintop and I may not get there with you, but I've looked over, you know, and, and I, I thought that's really profound. I'm so glad to be painting in this subject matter and uh, using um, skiing not only as a tool, but as a metaphor for, um, for a, a, a goal, a destination, and something that's positive, whatever that goal may be um, in my mind. So it's really turned into a real metaphoric thing for me, uh, which has been a real a drive for me just to make this a continuing, a continuing series. I know that all of us as skiers and snowboarders, we feel that on the mountaintop. That's why we love this sport. It is, as you said, it is the freedom. It is being out there on our own and doing what we want to do and enjoying the outdoor air and the exhilaration of going down the slope. It really is a special freedom to be on that mountain. It really is. It really is. Yeah. And it's, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. And, um, I, uh, this, this, you know, one of my goals is to, um, not just familiarize those who are not black or people of color to, I mean, my intention is having all black people in skis to sort of flip the dynamic that I may feel where I show up in a space where there are no blacks at all, but for you to walk into a gallery space or a room and just see all black people in 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 ski 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 attire and and on the mountain etc um and uh yeah I, I just wanted to have those people sort of have the experience that we as minorities have you know just to think about it a little bit more and 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 uh, then also for black people, those who are on the mountain already or could potentially be on the mountain, for them to see themselves represented. I was really thrilled to have some members of the um, National Brotherhood of Skiers give me some positive, positive feedback early on when I first um, uh, opened up the collection to the public. Uh, to see the remarks and the love they had for the work, just oh my gosh, it was it was thrilling for me because it showed a thirst on their part for representation. You know, it showed a thirst on their part, and these are avid, decades-long skiers, but it showed a thirst on their part um, for to feel included, and um, that's one of the things that I learned. You know. Um, in, in showing in showing the artwork um, outside of you know my inner circle, so that was really awesome. I know that in the last year, and you started this before George Floyd. You started this months before that, but as a result of incidents in the last year, the world is seeing again the challenges that we face with racism. 
I do personally feel that in this past year, many of us, and I'll say myself included, we've probably thought harder about it now than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, I mean, this is probably a, a bit of an unusual or strange question, but I, I, I know that I ask myself, what more should I do to be inviting? And I don't know if there's really an answer to that, Lamont, but uh, as I look at your art, I I sense a different feeling. And I like to think that I, as a lifelong skier, am inviting to others, regardless of race. But uh, I don't know the question here, but maybe you have some counsel or some words coming out of the work that you've done as an artist that can help to guide all of us. Oh, I appreciate that, Tom. I, I also agree that um, there has been an increased sensitivity and, like I mentioned earlier, a willingness to listen. Um, I think it takes a certain amount of, gosh, humility to really even stop and think and check, check oneself and say, hey, you know, I definitely don't consider myself, you know, to be bigot or bigoted or anything like that. But maybe there's times where I have made someone feel like it's not normal for you to be in this room or in this space or on this mountain or whatever it is. And sometimes we just want to just walk in a room and not be reminded, you know, that we look different from the majority of people around. We just want to, we just want to, we want to be just like you, you know, we just want to feel um, like we just get together with whoever, wherever, whatever, and we won't be asked Hey, because there's been times where I've been asked where I'm from, and I'm like, I live in Jeremy Ranch. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, where are you, where are you, where, where are you visiting from? And I'm like, you know, I live here. And there's there's assumptions that are made along the way, and I, there's been many many circumstances where I know that my skin color has triggered thoughts with people. And even though we are the few, um. I don't think we necessarily want to feel like we're the few. We just want to live, you know? We just want to do it, whatever we want to do. We want to enjoy whatever we want to enjoy and not just be constantly constantly reminded of it. So I think the listening, the asking questions, and just like you've done, um, you know, is very important. And I think to those who, because I've also heard, you know, they don't see or experience any racism in their life and they've got some black friends and, you know, and I would just recommend to some of those people to maybe take them out to lunch one day and just surprise them with, Hey, you know what? Like we have a great relationship. You know, I'm a white guy, you're a black guy or whatever the case may be. But is there anything that you've experienced in your life where you felt bigotry where you felt racism is there anything that I should know where I can understand you better? And I, and I recommend that because, uh, like I said earlier, it's not something we want to bring up all the time. You know, we just want to have a laugh. We want to have a beer. We want to get on the mountain. We want to just, you know, live and be happy just like everybody else. So, but I think there's some people in your life, if they are in your life, that would appreciate that question um, coming from, a different position that they're in. Uh, I think that's really where it's at. So sort of like 
to ask, you know, like you're asking, what am I missing, Lamont? You know, what are the things that I'm missing? What else um, can I do better? What should I be aware of? And that's why, um, you know, skiing in color uh, for me is is a conversation um, where, um, you know, I'm not coming at it from a position where I have all the answers. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to be able to give answers where I can, but also learn. You know, I'm super eager to learn um, from all sides, um, these different dynamics, because race does matter. You know, it just happens to matter in the race dynamic that we're born into um, in the world, but specifically in this country. It just does matter. And um, the color of skin matters. You know, a lot of people, they don't like to say it, but it does, you know. And um, we want to get into the nitty gritty of all that, but it happens to be an issue. It's what we do with it, to me, that's very important. Lamont, I think my takeaway on this, and I've thought about this over the last year or so, is you want to be recognized as a skier or a snowboarder, not as a black skier or a black snowboarder. It's just the common acceptance that you have this bond that we all have as skiers and snowboarders about that freedom on the mountain and getting outdoors and experience the speed and exhilaration. That's the acceptance. It, it is. It is. And I think that, you know, every culture, right, is going to bring, um, uh, when they show up into a space, uh, they're going to bring some of whatever their culture is to that space. So if, if you see me uh, as a as a or describe me as a snowboarder who you know happens to be black, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, I'm fine with that. I, I don't mind uh, again if 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 you see my color and uh, because um, by the way we you know we see we we see color also we see you know white people also we all see one another's color and I think that that's cool because I think there's things to learn you know from our from our differences, from our different cultures, whether it's food, whether it's music, whether it's style, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whatever's in our lexicon, there are things to learn and enrich our lives by seeing those colors. So I'm fine with if being described that way for the goal of enrichment, you know, you know, uh, I, I love the diversity and, and I love the representation. So let's all come together. But I just would say, I think the way that seeing color is approached, as long as it's embraced, as long as it's looked at as a positive, there's never going to be a problem. Be more inquisitive, be more listening. And that's all. We just want, we just want to feel like we are normalized. In, in whatever space that we're in. Lamont Joseph White, the artist, the collection is called Skiing in Color. You can get a link to it at skiutah.com. Thank you so much, Lamont, for sharing. We're going to now move on to a little closing section that I call Fresh Tracks, which we do with each of our guests here on Last Chair. And are you ready to go? A few little, hopefully simple questions for you. Uh, let's give it a shot. Sure. 
Okay, I'll keep it really simple and keeping it uh, in the winter sport vein to start with. Your favorite Utah ski run. Favorite run, favorite run. I really love, I'm going to go to Park City. Um, I love what's called Fool's Paradise. Um, I come down off of like the Dreamscape or Daybreak lift. And I, and I drop off a run there into these group of Aspens that are just gorgeous. I mean, you can see them from, from the road far out when you're driving by on 224. And especially when there's some fresh powder out there, I love, I love that area. Fool's Paradise. I have to say I have not heard of that run before. So it's up in the Dreamscape area? Yep, yep. As you're coming down off of there, um, we usually dr you drop off off that trail. I have to think of the name of that trail right there, but you drop off, drop off on the right. And um, it's really a bit of a bowl. I don't know if you'd specifically call it a bowl, but um, yeah, just a bunch of aspens right there. It's just so much fun to go through there. I think I know what it is, and I just never knew the name. One of those problems of being a local when you don't remember all the run names. I'm like that too. <laughs> I feared I feared that question because I was like, I don't remember the names of these runs, but yeah. Quick, get a trail map. Exactly, exactly. So let's go back to your childhood. Did you have a hero growing up? Oh my gosh. Did I have a hero? You know, it's funny because I really looked up to sports heroes. Happened to be for a period of time there, uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So they were really winning a lot <laughs> in sort of my formative years. So the guy who really comes to mind, um, you know, was Franco Harris, the running back for the, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, we all look up to, to someone who's had some achievement in their life. And he was that guy for me, you know, because I was a diehard Steelers fan. It was like, you know, black and gold everywhere. It was like draped all over me for several years there as a kid. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Franco Harris. That's a really good choice. By the way, are you still a Steelers fan? I'm a Giants fan, you know, having um, ended up, I ended up in, after growing up in uh, Central Jersey, after leaving, again, you know, being born in New York, but ended up in Central Jersey, I went back to New York for college and raised my kids in the New York metropolitan area. And I really became a hardcore Giants fan, which is a, which is a tough thing to be <laughs> these days. But I am a New York Giants fan now. And uh, yeah, we have two Super Bowl rings this century, though. So uh, that's, that's not bad. That's not too bad. Okay, let's go to your favorite outdoor activity or any outdoor activity that you enjoy outside of skiing. Oh, gosh. You know, I love uh, for, the, for the peace and tranquility of it, I like a good hike. You know, we know that the trail system in uh, Park City is, I mean, it's just the best. So um, just getting out there, uh, my wife and I like to go on Sunday hikes. Just getting out there and being in nature and, you know, feel that feeling of becoming one with nature on a hike is just tremendous. Just tremendous. So I love a good hike. Yeah, it really is. Uh, your favorite Utah craft beer? I'm going to go with the Park City Brewery, their American Pale Ale. 
I love that. I don't, I don't like to go too super hoppy. Yeah, I'm going to go with that American pale ale. Great body, great flavor. Lamont, do you have a favorite High West whiskey? I like their double rye. I like their double rye a lot. Um, I've done the flights there a couple times, and I always come back to the double rye. It's just super smooth, and uh, that's the one. So, I mean, I've gone even out on some business trips to New York and found it out there and, you know, brought it for my friends who I stay with in Manhattan. And, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of a constant favorite um, when I'm going to have a, have, a, have a whiskey. So that's good. Good stuff. You know, I do like the double rye, but I have to say my favorite is Campfire. I, why did I know you were going to say that? Okay, that's a good one, too. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good it's one a bit too. unusual. Like, I love to tell I people. Like, yeah, no, it's like, is he going to say Campfire? And you said it, so got it. That's funny. <laughs> Lamont, last question. Mm-hmm. Groomers, moguls, glades, or powder? What's your perfect day? I'm probably going to go with groomers. And I know I mentioned the powder in, in the trees earlier, but I like a great long run, like, um, you know, like upper harmony in, in canyons just to take that nice long run. Cause I just like to ride, you know, just have a beautiful long ride on the board. And, um, that's where I get that nice combination of exhilaration and, and peace sort of like it's a nice, uh, synergy of those two emotions. Lamont Joseph White, thank you so much for joining us, talking about skiing and color. Look forward to seeing you up on the hill. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. I super appreciate it. Thanks to Lamont Joseph White for introducing us to skiing in color. To learn more, go to skiutah.com and Get a link to explore his entire collection. I hope that his words opened your eyes to how each of us can be welcoming to everyone who wants to enjoy the same exhilaration that we experience as skiers or snowboarders. Thanks to our friends at St. Regis Deer Valley for joining us on this episode of Last Chair. For your next trip to Utah, make a reservation to stay slopeside or stop by for dinner or après ski. The St. Regis Deer Valley. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the like button and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back with plenty of guests over the coming months. Now let's turn it over to Pixie and the Partygrass boys to close out this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast presented by High West. Have fun. It's a great day to ski. Until I can ski and party